Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Happy Father's Day Happy weekend. Father's Day weekend. Yeah, it's a beautiful week. Uh, it's been The weather's been tremendous. And, uh, yeah, so get out there and do some stuff. Do some brewing. Um, it's Father's Day. What specials for you guys that are going yeah, on today? So 10% off all startup kits. And we actually had that going all week. I forgot to mention it last show. Sorry. But all startup kits, beer, wine, one gallon, five gallon, six gallon, all on sale, 10% off this week. Okay. And to, to your defense, you didn't have to know about the sale. If you came in for the startup kit, you just got it as a bonus. Yep. Very so. good. So 10% off. You guys are open uh, today, close tomorrow on actual mm-hmm. Father's Day. Uh, last week, we talked Mexican lagers against American lagers, the differences in the two. So if you want to go back and find those, uh, our, all our episodes are on demand at WGR 550's on demand website and at ESPN 1520's as well. Uh, for summer brewing supplies, it feels like summer has arrived. Yes. It, a little bit later than usual, but summer, mid-June now, and uh, it, it's arrived. So for summer brewing supplies... We have everything you need. We're going to have all your high BTU propane burners, wart chillers, all sorts of large stainless steel pots. A lot of them already ported. So if you want a ported pot and you don't want to go with a weldless kit and you don't want to have to take it to somebody to machine, I mean, we have ported 16-gallon uh, pots for under $100. Okay. So if you're looking to upgrade your size, you know, maximize your brew days, you're going to need a big burner, you're going to need a wart chiller, you're going to need a brew pot, and we have those all covered for you keg line cleaning kits we have those stacked up high for summer okay so a lot of folks going to their you know kegerator and kind of realizing that it's gone a little bit south over the course of the winter um so if you're going to use your uh kegerator you can absolutely try to salvage those old lines you don't necessarily need to replace everything just you got a little bit of like bacterial film in it we have the cleaning kits and so you can just flush the system out without fully taking it apart okay. and that, that's handy on its own yeah Propane burners, wort chillers, things that will help you get your brewing outside. Yep. We got it all. Okay. Very good. Uh, and one other thing, you've been mentioning a draft system over a hand pump tap. You've been talking about this a I lot the last couple try, weeks. So you're spending like $150 you know, on a keg, right, even if you're getting a six sole, and you end up getting the rental hand pump. So you're, you're paying almost as much as you would to buy a hand pump to rent one. So one, if you definitely want to go hand pump, come in and buy your own. You know what I mean? That way you don't have to count on the distributor having one the day you go there to pick up your keg. Um, and I always encourage people to go with a CO2 system if they can. And we have one starting at under $150 that are simple party tap CO2 systems. So there's no more pumping and there's no spoiled beer. So days, weeks after the party, as long as you can keep the keg cool, you can go back to that keg and keep drinking it it won't oxidize on okay. you. so pushing your beer out with co2 obviously most home brewers know this if you're not a home brewer it will protect your beer so instead of sea or air use co2 we have kits for under 150 dollars to get you going our weekly check-in on the hop rhizome planting we guide? have a couple left we are still people uh planting they're seem to be having still good results keep them watered um i know you know the rain has kind of been hit and miss around western new york uh and if you're in a dry area keep those hop plants watered especially if they're a younger plant if they're an old established plant you don't have to worry about them as much but for those first year second year plants keep them watered uh right now and we still have some rhizomes left you're not going to get a harvest this year 
year for sure, but if you want to get him in the ground, if you want him as an ornamental, you're still probably going to be able to get 10 feet out of him by the end of the summer uh, in vertical lengths and a bunch of shoots, so you can have those cosmetic hops by the end of the year. All right. Uh, we're going to get to a couple different things today. Milkshake IPAs, because I texted you during the week and I wanted to talk about milkshake IPAs. Um, but before we do that, there's two other things that we've we've mentioned a few times. The Brewing Controller and the Anvil Brewing Pump. Yeah, so those have been very popular. So the Anvil Brewing Pump is a $60 plastic head brewing pump um, that's a good intro for you know rim systems, herms, or if you just want to create mass recirculation on a cooler. So for a lot of brewers who use a cooler as a hot liquor tank as a mash ton, you kind of really find it hard to spend $150 on a stainless steel head pump. And so this is a nice alternative uh, so that you don't feel like you have to, you know, really outshoot your uh, equipment um, that you already have with a new pump. So it's nice. It's been reliable. People have really liked it. It's brushless, so it's very quiet. That's a big bonus, um, especially if you brew indoors. Um, But we have the pump. The uh, Keg King controller has been very popular. People love the color display. Um, it's easy to program and it's easy to use, and it looks really nice right out of the box. It sits on a tabletop or on top of your refrigerator and can control your fermentations, hot or cold, both at the same time if mm-hmm. needed. Um, so that's big, especially with the temperatures going back and forth. You know, we can see a 20 degree temperature difference in 24 hours around here, and so this will help keep your beer at a steady temperature. Okay, very good. All right, so, uh, oh, and the brewing pump, sorry, before that. We got to that. Okay, we, we, got to that. we got to that. So the, the milkshake IPA. Yes. So I ordered an IPA out the other night, and I just it didn't say milkshake IPA. When it comes over in the glass, this thing was, what color was it? I mean, it, it, I've seen cloudy IPAs. Mm-hmm. This looked like, like the, the foam looked like Alka-Seltzer. Like, it, it was stunning. I, 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 I. I've heard this term, and I confess I'd never had one before. So, you know, the, the guy brought the drink over, and he said, I should have warned you, it's a milkshake IPA. So I took a sip of it, and it wasn't terrible, but I immediately knew I didn't want to drink this right now. Like, it was, hot, you know, it's 75 degrees. I don't want this this milkshake IPA. But it did get me thinking, like, is this a new and blossoming style? Because it's like, what? It's a New England on steroids. Like what? What do you? Well, kind of, kind of. And actually, I think the first ones brewed kind of predate um, the New England kind of craze. And as I know, most people would point these, you know, weird New England um, style uh, beers towards uh, put the blame on American brewers. Um, this next one comes from uh, Swedish brewers. Not from the U.S. crazy. Really? And, and there's um, a Swedish beer, uh, Omnipolo, um, that was made in collaboration that you can get, which is pretty close to there uh, with uh, Tired Hands Brewing Company in the U.S. So it's a collaboration, their recipe brewed here. Um, and it's fairly interesting. I mean, there's a little bit, I think, too, of um, – I think you kind of fell victim to this. We can bring this up as the first topic here. Should all these new styles be called IPAs? You know, I mean, they're they're very different, I, and I think it's getting a little bit confusing um, because to IPA fans, you know what I mean, who like a bitter focused beer, mm-hmm. uh, they're not always getting what they're looking for. And a beer like this, I don't think naturally appeals to that bitter, dry finish beer crowd. with like a sulfur yeast. This appears more to like Belgian like wit beer, you know, fans and stuff like that. So I th- I, I think what like you had, if this was called like you know. Uh, you know, if it was called a milkshake 
beer or something like that or beer smoothie, you would have a little more idea of what you were getting and maybe get a small glass after dinner instead of, you know, starting out a hot afternoon with one. Um, but they are fairly common to the New England style. They're both heavy on the oats. They both have a sweeter finish and low IBUs with heavy dry hop. But that is where the similarities end for the most part. Um, so obviously we call it a milkshake IPA. So what gives it this like dairy-like quality? Um, and that is the oats, just like in the New England, but also lactose. So milk extracted lactose sugars, which when you add them to say a milk stout or something like that, obviously give it this creamy, rich, sweet body. And these milkshake IPAs are loaded up with the lactose. For, for a home brewer listening here, I mean, you're looking at a, like at least a pound per five gallons. Um, and that gives it this intense, creamy, dairy-based kind of sweetness. Now, that isn't where it ends, too. Often you'll see things like vanilla in these beers added to the boil as well, so whole vanilla beans, but also tons and tons of fruit. And I think the milkshake is kind of a bad um, a bad uh, terminology for it. It's more like a fruit smoothie beer than it is like a milkshake beer necessarily because it's almost always paired with lots of fruit. Um, you see green apples, strawberries added to secondary, added to the end of the boil. Um, and one of the things that brewers with this style are actually trying to do is find fruit that is not quite ripe yet. So if you were to go back to our um, you know, fruit beer episode, we talk about how you don't want to put the fruit in the boil. You want to make sure your fruit is fully ripe. Um, you don't want to macerate the living daylights out of it, um, and you want to add pectic enzyme. A lot of those things that we're doing, we're trying to do to avoid um, free pectin inside the finished beer, which will make it extremely chewy, a little bit green, um, and really hazy. But in this case, in this style, all those things that we said not to do in the fruit beer episode, do for this style of okay. beer. All those things we talked about not doing, you want to do here. Um, so the Swedish Brewing Company uh, often takes green apples, and not just green apples on the outside like they're you know green as opposed to like a Macintosh. We're talking about their green as in they're not fully ripened yet. And they turn these into an absolute puree and then add them to the beer. And this gives it an added kind of almost jammy chewiness. So that combined with the vanilla, combined with the lactose, and then combined with usually like a heavy load of dry hopping, say Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, a lot of stone fruity hops, it comes out tasting more like a fruit smoothie than it does definitely an IPA. Um, I'm not trying to turn brewers off to this necessarily, um, but it is a different beast. It's not going to be an everyday kind of beer, and kind of like similarly to the New England, you're going to want to consume it fairly fresh. Yeah. So this is definitely uh, the kind of beer that you want to experiment in one and three gallon batch size. Or if you have a lot of friends that come over that like really weird beers, um, you may want to try for five. But I, I don't know if it'd be true of all versions of it, but I want to say that this kind of like redefines the concept of mouthfeel. Yeah. Th oh, yes. Because you have you have three different effects in there, just contributing to the mouthfeel, and it's extremely rich. It's heavy, like viscous. Yeah. Um. You said gritty. Gritty. Yeah. 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 You, you take a sip of this, and 
<laughs> I it stays with you for minutes. Mm-hmm. You are still tasting that beer. Yeah, and I like to compare it to the fruit smoothie because if you ever have a fruit smoothie, you know how you're kind of finding like little gritty bits in your teeth. Yeah, you know what I mean for the next co- couple of minutes. That happens with these milkshake IPAs, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But another thing I'd like to know: whenever you put something in your beer, and I think this is more of an ethical question for home brewers, like lactose, like peanuts, and a lot of these other things. You probably should be, one, on the menu, putting a warning, you know, to anybody who may be lactose intolerant or have a nut allergy. But that's also something, if you make this beer at home, you may want to warn people, you know, that, you know, you put lactose into it. You know, I put in a bunch of green apples. Don't just say, here's my IPA. Would you like to give it a try? Um, Because I think when you do that, you're going to almost instantly turn people off. Because, like, I think like you did, you have an absolute shock to the system mm-hmm. you know what i mean the first time i had one it was a friend who you know travels far and wide uh for beer uh and we were over at his house and he tried me and he gave me the full warning he was like hey do you want to try a really weird beer it's extremely you know thick and sweet and i got a good warning about what i was expecting and i really enjoyed it um but at the same time give somebody a warning before you serve something like this and um, like you said, if you're ordering one yourself, you want to be kind of planning ahead yeah. when you're going to be drinking it. And if, yeah, label them appropriately. Yeah. And the one <laughs> tough thing about them is they're all about like 7% to like 8% alcohol too. So at the same time, you're looking for a fruit smoothie might not be the same time of day. You're looking to basically, you know, consume the equivalent of two beers worth of alcohol really quick. So that's another warning. I think this is a great beer for like late in the evening on the patio, just as the heat's kind of getting over. Um, this would be one to go to. But again, you have three elements making it extremely, you know, rich. And you have the oats, you know, providing um, some proteins. You have the lactose providing an unfermentable sugar that will raise the gravity. And you also have that pectin and fruit sugars that are also going to raise the gravity and make this, like, like I said, like a smoothie without most of the solids. Still a little bit of solids. Yeah. All right. So proceed at your own risk risk peril yeah you seem like not the biggest fan i um i'm i'm, I'm a fan I'm, I'm never i would never diss any weird beer i just i'm afraid they're going to take over i don't feel like every brewery micro pub should feel like they should need two milkshake ipas right. which is kind of what's happened with the new england you know style um and um they're just they're not for you know every day um and like you know, like you found it a lot of times because you put this IPA at the end of it, and you don't give a ton of description. Um, a lot of times, I think it gets ordered by mistake, um, and so that's a problem, I think, as well too, because it turns people off from it. All right, let's get a break in. We want to talk fermentation when we get back. Fast yep. and furious fermentations. So that's on the way. Enjoy a milkshake IPA in the break. We're back in a moment. Nag traditions just brew. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 
1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, we're back on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Maybe you've cracked open a uh, milkshake IPA for a breakfast beer. Yeah, we talked about it. It would be a good breakfast beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get a lot of fruit, some sugar, a little bit of something in your stomach if you're the kind of person that's yeah. you know, drinking for breakfast. The one I had tasted like a screwdriver. I mean, it kind of really did, like an yeah, orange juice. Citrus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we want to get to fast and furious fermentation. we got about 10 minutes left in the show. What is it that you wanted to bring up about that? Well, it, it, as the temperature rises here, we're starting to get a lot of folks coming in with fermentation problems, especially if you're a new brewer around here, and partially because it's, it's hard to get your – um, you know, wart down to temperature quickly enough, and then it's hard to maintain those temperatures. And if you're brewing out in the hot sun on the patio, having a couple of beers, the kind of things that come at the you know end of the boil and pitching are maybe forgotten. And so we're getting a lot of calls right now about people who say my beer didn't start, took off for 24 hours, and now it's doing nothing. Is it ruined? No, it's not ruined but it's probably not as good as it could have been otherwise. So let's kind of talk about what happens when you have bad fermentation control and what are the signs of it. The first one is a slow start. Um, It means you haven't pitched enough yeast or the yeast are heavily stressed and there wasn't enough oxygen for them as well. And so you're going to see this very slow start to the fermentation. Then sometime after 48 hours, it usually absolutely goes nuts. Um, So yeast begin budding as a bud was kind of an exponential factor. What was a small number all of a sudden goes nuts. And what you see is this violent fermentation that usually finishes off in a day or two and usually blows right through the lid. So, one, what is this going to do to the beer? It's going to make it phenolic and possibly under-attenuated. So your IPA may taste like it was fermented with a, like, you know, uh, poor attenuating Belgian Saison style. You might have like elements of like, you know, floral of like intense rose or, you know, I mean, a little bit of, you know, burnt or smoky flavors to it. And at the same time, you may have a little bit of apple flavor from acetaldehyde from the yeast not being healthy enough to finish off. And you also may be under attenuated. So it may be quite sweeter than you initially intended. Um, So how can we kind of fix this? Let's look at the slow start. So if you've noticed you have a slow start, you're worried about, you know, not getting enough aeration uh, when you're finished brewing, it's very simple. Add more yeast, add another packet of whatever yeast you started with. So those yeasts are going to be fresh. They're not going to have put up with the stressors of a warm, you know, wart or low oxygen environment. They'll be a little more ready to go and go ahead and aerate the living daylights out of it. So start whipping it again. Even if you're, you know, a day in, if fermentation hasn't started yet, those yeasts should uptake that oxygen. Now, if you've realized this is happening 48 hours, you know, plus into it, and now you have an exploding fermentation, there's not a ton you can do. The first thing you want to do is put on a blow-off hose. So take your racking tube, stick it into your airlock hole, and put the other end into a growler and try to start collecting the stuff that's spraying off there. That's going to prevent making the mess. Now, initially, what next people do is they take it and they go throw it in the coldest spot in their house. 
which is not what you want to do. Now you will definitely end up with that acetaldehyde and under attenuation. While you want to move it to a cooler area, you don't want to all of a sudden drop it from you know 75 degrees down to 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. You want to try to get right around that 68, and if you can bring it down slower, that's better. So usually I'll get it into the basement, off the floor, and kind of keep the temperature on it. If it starts to drop below 68, I'll begin moving it back to a warmer place. Um, so that's what you can do once you have the exploding fermentation. Sadly, there's really not a lot you can do to fix those problems in this beer. If you catch it early on, you can do some things about it. Aging will help in a secondary, although it won't get rid of all of those phenols. Now, it's not going to be a ruined beer by far. It will absolutely still be drinkable, but it wasn't as good as it could as been so you want to try to fix these mistakes for next time so the first thing you can do is get the wart cooler at the start it's always better to have a little bit cooler of a wart and let it come up into the fermentation temperature than to be really hot and then come crashing down you know as fermentation begins to start so try to get a little bit cooler at the start of every fermentation if you're worried about it add another yeast packet. Um, It's really hard to overpitch in the fact that you'll get any off flavors. Often in homebrewing, if you overpitch, like we talked about three shows ago, you're just not going to get the esters that you were looking for. But that overpitch can also, if you have a stress fermentation, prevent the phenols that you are not looking for. So if you're nervous, add more yeast. You know, worst comes to worst, you just won't have the esters that you originally wanted. And more air. Aerate the living daylights out of it. If you're using air, not oxygen, in the first 12 hours, you can't overdo it. So pour it back and forth, you know, between the bucket and the, the brew pot. If you've got a spigot on your brew pot, let it drip, um, you know, a couple of feet into the bucket so that it's getting good, you know, contact time all the way down. If you're working with air, you can't overdo this. As often as it happens, you know, if you're at the end, you've been brewing out on the patio, you've went from sunshine, now you're chilling and the temperatures dropped at like, you know, 10, 15 degrees that we were talking about earlier. It's hard to kind of force yourself to stick around for an extra 20 minutes getting sticky, you know, splashing this wart around to make sure that it's properly aerated. But if you wake up in the morning and you've, you know, only been gone for 8, 10 hours and you're nervous about it, go ahead, open up the fermenter and aerate it some more. So okay. sanitize a, you know, a spoon, get in there and really whip it around. And the last thing that I can tell you is always helpful for this and adds a little bit of, um, you know, reassurance on your part is having something like the Keg King Mark III brewing controller <laughs> because then you can just Avoid put it away this. in the basement and you're not worried about what is the temperature doing, you know, and I mean, you can just peek into the basement, look at that nice red temperature indicator, you know, shining back at you from across the room and see exactly what temperature you're at. So having temperature control, I say over and over again, is the only time I made a purchase and my beer directly got better from it. Normally I'll make a purchase of a new gadget and my beer gets worse for two or three batches. I'm not hitting efficiencies, you know, I'm having trouble like reaching full boil or I have clogged fittings, uh, a controller is one that's going to make your beer better from the first batch. Um, so I would highly suggest if you haven't thought about like adding a controller um, into your uh, brew setup, if you have an old refrigerator, especially those apartment style, kind of fridge only ones that you can fit a bucket into, those are perfect for projects like this. How, how big is this uh, brew controller? Um, it's about... 
two inches by three inches or four inches by four inches. So okay. it's a four inch square, about two inches high. Um, has like four, you know, big rubberized buttons on the front and all the controls come out the back. So you plug it into the wall, you plug your heater, you plug a refrigerator into that. You put the, you know, temperature probe either inside the refrigerator. Or I like to just tape it right to the outside of my fermenter and that's it. It's really like a 15-minute hookup. Yeah. So, and it will make your beer better every time. Um, it will at least avoid problems with loss of temperature, especially if you brew on a Sunday and then you're rushing into work on Monday morning. Um, gives you that assurance that your beer is not going to go out of control while you're gone. So if you do all those first parts right, cold start, add more yeast, aerate the living daylights out of it, if you put it into your living room and all of a sudden it's 78 degrees again in the first 24 hours, you're going to have problems, you're going to have phenols. Whereas if you have a keg controller like this, you can just put it into a fermentation chamber, onto a heat plate, you know what I mean, and you don't have to worry about it. Is aeration a easy and often overlooked step absolutely super easy and yeah, i think most people assume that they're just getting enough in transfer yeah. and, and, and stuff like that but make it a habit yeah because you you really are trying to get a lot of oxygen into the yeast within those first 12 hours after that it becomes your enemy um but in those first 12, 12 hours it's your friend you want to try to get in as much as possible um so it's often overlooked um, and partially because what I, I started this out with, even if you have these problems, it's not like your beer is going to be undrinkable. You know what I mean? A lot of times people find out they're not aerating enough, they're not getting the temperature down enough the first time they enter a competition. And another judge takes a taste of it and they pick up those minute phenols. And then all of a sudden when they say, hey, you have this sour cherry you know, back flavor in there and they have it written on paper, you pick it up and then you want to change it. Yeah. All right. Well, good to know that. Like, make that a habit. Yes. Habitualizing something takes three weeks. So the next three times you brew, yeah, or brew for three weeks straight every day for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. A lot you, can, of you can take take a whole year off till the next competition season. <laughs> sit on all your bottles. All right. Um, before we wrap up again, Father's Day, the specials, ten percent off all startup kits. Yep. You We're guys open are open until four o'clock today. Okay. And so we'll be there with the startup kits stacked high, and a lot of other gadgets and gift certificate as always can be picked up in store or online and print it out from your home computer. And gift certificates work both ways. If you buy one online, they can use it in store. If you buy one in store, they can absolutely use it online. Also, you can sign that up for the email list you guys absolutely. have. Absolutely, yeah, go right ahead. Sign. Am I allowed to encourage that? <laughs> Just sign them right up there. I'm sure he'll enjoy it. You can always unsubscribe really quickly. Yep. All right, that's it for us. Uh, Milkshake IPAs and Fast and Furious Fermentation, in case you join us midway through or a little late. We're back next Saturday here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.